This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. We are in week three of a series that we have called SOAP. And so let's throw that first slide up there. And SOAP stands for this. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So what we're talking about in this series is being a disciple. That Jesus didn't call us just to be Christians, just a noun, sort of static in our relationship with God. That he has called us to be disciples. In other words, growing and changing. That's what it means to be a disciple. That we are learning. That we're not staying the same. That, and, and what we're discussing in this series is that all of us have a certain way of thinking and talking and acting and that we all have some sort of past and that all of those things have formed the comfort zone that we now live in. And what we need to realize is that God is wanting us to move outside of our comfort zone. He's wanting us to change some of the ways we think and act and talk and that he's wanting to, us to move past our past, not let our, not let our past hold us back anymore. And what we know about life is no five-year period in life is same as the next five-year period. So what God is wanting to do, he's wanting to prepare us. He's wanting us to get ready. God knows what's coming up. And so he wants us to grow up so that we can get ready for what's coming up in our lives. So this series is all about being a disciple that we get to serve and be part of the local church. And then if you're a part of one of our city groups, these are all opportunities for us to grow and be discipled. But then us as an individual, as we spend time in the Word of God, and that was the first thing we talked about Scripture. Just honoring the Scripture in our lives, not putting our time in, thinking, well, you know, I just better read 15 minutes this morning, or I just better read two chapters. No, we want to honor the Word of God and realize that it is God speaking to us through the Scripture. And then we talked about last week, observing. And what we want to observe is we want to see what the Word of God actually says. We want to see that the principle that's being taught to us, we want to see what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as we look at the Word of God. And then what are we looking at? We're observing where the Word of God says is and what life should be, and then where I am. And so what I need to do and what I should want to do is to move to the image of Christ, not stay the same, that I want to move as I observe what the Word of God says, and then I observe myself that I would turn that into action. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, application. So let's turn our Bibles this morning to John chapter 8, verse 31. And it says this, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. So as we continue, not a one-time thing, not a one-Sunday deal, but as we continue in his word, then are we his disciples. Continual growth, not staying the same. See, we can't grow and stay the same. Growth means I'm going to change. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mature. I'm going to figure out what God is saying to me by his spirit. As I go to the word of God, and as I mentioned, you know, in previous messages, you know, we should read the word of God. And one pastor said it like this, that you read the word of God until something hits you. And so what is that? Well, it's the Holy Spirit revealing something to us. It's, it's God, as we read his word, he's revealing to us what we need to know and then what we need to apply in our lives. So we've got to move out of our comfort zone. So as we look to the Word of God, what is the Word of God doing in our lives? Or what do we want the Word of God to do in our lives? The first thing is we want the Word of God to contradict us. 
And we can't just go to the Word of God and be like, well, I just want to make sure I agree with everything in here as it is my understanding right now. I disagree with this, and I'm not sure about this. But we have to come to the Word of God humbly so we can allow the Word of God to speak to me. In other words, if I might be doing something or acting this way or talking this way, when I go to the Word of God, if it contradicts one of those things, we have to allow the Word of God to contradict our lives. And then also, the Scripture is the wind in our sails, that the Scripture should inspire us to live. You know, when we breathe physically, when we take in a breath, it helps us to live our lives. The same way we need inspiration to live. I, I want to be inspired by the Word of God to be the most godly husband I could be or the most godly dad that I could be. And the Scripture has a lot to say about where I'm at in life right now. So we want the, the Word of God to be the wind in our sails. And as I mentioned, the third thing, we want the Word of God to equip us for change, getting me ready for what's coming up. See, God knows what's coming up. So he wants you to change and he wants you to be ready for what's coming up. So today we're going to be talking about application. We're going to be talking about action. We're going to be talking about moving, doing something. And when we read about Jesus in John chapter 1, it says this phrase, very small phrase, very important phrase, that the word became flesh. In other words, the thoughts and ways of God, that's the word of God, became flesh. We were able to see Jesus. We were able to see the Word of God in action when we see Jesus. And this is what God is wanting us to do in our lives. He's wanting us to incorporate His thoughts, His ways, His plans, and He wants it to show up in our flesh. That there, Jesus, what was Jesus? He was very powerful because the Word became flesh. And we can live powerfully if we allow the Word of God to become part of our flesh. Not just leave it on the pages of the Bible, but it becomes powerful when we start to live it out. And it's going to be lived out when we act and we move and we move into the change that God has for us. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this. We read this last week talking about observation, but we're going to read it today emphasizing about moving and doing and acting. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. See, we can hear something and maybe go to the Word of God once again religiously. You know, I'm going to put in my time here and I'm just going to hear something. But if we hear something and don't doing it, don't do it, what do we see? We're deceiving ourselves that the power comes in the doing. Now, is anybody in this room, do you know how to eat in a healthy way? Does anybody have any knowledge how to do that? <laughs> There's this new thing called the internet. You can Google it. It will help you if you're not sure. Now, how many of us know that broccoli is better for us than ice cream? Does anybody have this information? Once again, Google is available for us if we're not sure. Unless there's some sort of diet, I'm sure that there's an ice cream diet out there. <laughs> but generally speaking... <laughs> We know that there's certain types of food that are better for us or will help us to lose weight or will help us to be more healthy than other types of food. And the question I have for you at the end of the summer, barbecue season, what have we done with this knowledge that we have? We have just so much knowledge. We're overcome with knowledge 
about how to be healthy, how to act healthy, how to maybe exercise and to eat a certain way. How many know that all of that information is dormant unless we actually do something? All of that information is not powerful to us unless we put it into practice. And this is the way we see with the Word of God. God has ways, His Word, His ways, His thoughts, His plans. And it becomes powerful when we just don't observe it, when we just don't think about it, that when we actually put it into practice, then this is where we experience the power of God in our lives. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately, forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law of liberty gives, that gives us freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, everybody say doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the blessing follows the action. The blessing follows the application. The blessing follows us moving and doing something. So we don't want to just forget. And then it said this word. It said intently. In other words, we would be focused. We would be focused on doing something. And then also, by implication, we see in there, that means doing something that I don't already do. Here's how I act, and, and here's what I say, and here's what I think. But we're supposed to be going to the Word of God to move out of our comfort zone, to not stay the same. So I'm not just, you know, going to the, to the two scriptures that I already do, and I'm going to those things to make me feel good about myself. No, I want to look at the Word of God intently, on purpose, so that I can live a focused life, that I can focus on what God has for us, so that I can do something, so that the power of God can show up in my life, and that I can experience the blessing that God has for me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate that is what... For the gate is wise, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, we, there, we use this a lot of times talking about Jesus or salvation, and, but it's really not, I mean, we, there's some application that we can talk about there, you know, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, but this is actually talking about how we live our lives. That there's actually a very narrow way for us to be successful in our lives. And there's a thousand and one ways for us to up, mess up our lives. We can do so many things wrong. There's so many, th there's so many ways that we can act that can mess up our lives. But there's a very narrow way for us to act and be so that we can experience the blessing of God. Married people. For those of us that are married in here this morning, here's, there's a very narrow way for us to be successful in the context of our marriage. And one of those ways is loving communication. Any married people in the room this morning? This is a, this is a very narrow way. Because why? There's going to be a lot of stuff that you're going to face in your marriage. There's a lot of choices that you have to make in your marriage. There's going to be a lot of things go on in the context of your relationships. But for you to work through those things, for you to get to the next season of life, you're going to have to learn to lovingly communicate to each other. Now, there's lots of other ways to communicate. We could be very short 
with our spouse. We can, not talking about height, short-tempered. We could just say insults to our spouse. We can bring up something from seven years ago that they failed at, but I'm angry right now, so I'm going to bring it up. There's a thousand and one ways for us to communicate improperly, but there's a narrow way for us to communicate successfully in the context of our marriage, and it is loving communication. And this is what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. When we understand the word of God, the ways of God, that is a narrow way to live, but it is the way Jesus came for us to experience. See, Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Not religion, not more abundant religion, but understanding that the giver of life, the one who gives us breath, actually knows how he wants us to live. And that's what we're looking at as we look at the Bible, the scripture. We are looking at how to be in this world, in this relationship with God. And then God, as our mentor, us, as the apprentice, learning how to live. What is that narrow way, God? I want to be focused on what you want me to do right now in this season of my life because there's a thousand things that I could do that could mess it all up. Let's be honest. There's a thousand ways we could do. There's a thousand things that we could say. There's a thousand thoughts that we could think that could just mess our lives up completely. But God wants to focus on his ways for us, his plans for us right now in this season of our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Training in righteousness. So God is wanting us to be trained. He's wanting us to move outside of our comfort zone. How I talk, how I think, how I act, how I am right now. He's still wanting me to be trained, regardless of how old you are in here today, how many years you've been saved, how many years you've been churched. God wants you to be trained. He's constantly training you. He's wanting, what is he wanting us to be? Trained in righteousness or retrained. But I'm going to think a different way. I'm not going to just think the same way. One of those ways that I want to emphasize this morning, that God wants to train our choices. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says this, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live. Hey, there's life and there's death, there's blessing and there's curses. And then he gives us this really good, simple, obvious hint. I want you to choose life. I want you to choose the narrow path. Because what's going to happen? It's going to affect you and your children. So it's not just about you. Thank God for the choices that we make and the, the blessings that we would, might experience. But it is also about the people that we would influence. That's what it means to be a parent. That God wants us to be influential with the choices that we are making. Not, not just choosing silly things or wasteful things. That we would be intent on knowing what the focus that God has for us. I set before you these two things, life and death. Now choose life. And if we're wise, we can look at the end result of our choices. Because somebody's already made them. 
You know, I think, I know there's probably some young people in the room today, you know, you're thinking, you know what, I know I, I'm not going to do this whole church thing. I'm just going to go and discover a new way of life. And you can't tell me how to live. I just want you to know that every, it's all been done. It's all been tried. And, and you can do it for a decade at, at, if you like. And, you, and then what you will come back and tell us, you know, after a decade of trying to do your own thing, trying to discover what life is all about, you're going to come back exhausted from trying everything, trying every experience. You'll be like, I need a new way to live. This did not work out. That God is wanting us to choose life. What is the end of my choices? Because it's going to make a difference for me, and then it's going to make a difference for those that I influence, for those that are in my care. How important are our choices? God wants to reframe our choices. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says this, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way that he should choose. So here should be our expectation every morning because every day we get up, we have choices to make. That God is setting something in front of us. Some plan of his, some purpose of his to get towards him. What is he wanting us to do? He's wanting to guide our steps. He's wanting us to take the next necessary step. The next life-giving step. But how many of you know if God sets something in front of us way out there, sometimes we do this. I'm just going to do my own thing. But what does God want to do? He wants to, inform, he wants to teach us something about the choices that we're making. And so our expectation should be in the big and the small things and the things with our family and the things with our business and our career. What is God showing me? What has God placed in my heart? I know I'm here in my comfort zone right now. And I know that I'm doing this. I know God has something good for me in my future. What is it? God, I want you to show it to me. I want you to guide my steps. I want, you be, I want you to show me what is to come in my life. And what does he say? He wants us to, to choose life. What other response that needs to be retrained or trained in our lives is the response of trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. That our response to situations that come our way that might be negative or something that is coming up that I need to get to, that my response should be trust. That I'm putting my trust in God. Because here's the thing about us, that, that our vision is very limited. We are finite beings, but God is infinite. So what we're doing is we're putting our hands in God's life. God, we know that you know more than us. I know that I'm a finite being, that my understanding is limited, so I put my trust in you. This is so important because sometimes situations, and maybe you found this out, sometimes situations are really confusing. And sometimes a situation happens and you think this, why? Why did this happen? Why did they do that? Why did they say that? Why did they act like that? Why did this thing happen to me? And life can be very confusing, can be very difficult. 
But what are we not going to do? We're not just going to rely on our own understanding. Why? Because it's limited. We don't know these answers sometimes. But we know that we can always respond with trust. There was a guy in the New Testament that uh, had a sick daughter. His name was Jairus. And in a very specific circumstance that we're going to read about, and Jesus talked to him about his response. Let's read it here in Mark, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Jesus had, had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. While he was by the lake, there was one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus and he fell at his feet, he pleaded with him. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So Jesus is on the way to Jairus' house because his daughter is sick. Now, if you know the scripture, what happens next is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. You remember the story? And so she, was, she had been sick for 12 years, and she had seen all the doctors, and nothing had got better. And she said within herself, if I could just, you know, touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. So he, the, she came in the, the press, the, new, the King James says, she came, you know, in the crowd behind Jesus, and she just touched the back part of his garment. And the scripture says that power went out of Jesus, and she was healed and then Jesus turned around and said to his disciples, hey, who touched me? And they like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? And so the woman, it says the scripture, came and she was afraid. And so she came and she stood in front of Jesus. And the scripture says she told the whole story. Now, women, I love you. Married to a woman, have two daughters, two female dogs. You're amazing. You're wonderfully gifted. But sometimes when you tell a story, it might take a really long time. It's a gift. I get it. I love you for it. You know, sometimes Nicole comes home like, hey, babe, where were you? And I'm just thinking like, I went to the store. This is pretty much how I answer questions. Where were you? I was at work. Was that the church? One word answers. Good enough, right? It's clear. It's accurate. Nicole, I'm like, hey, babe, where are you? Well, you know, I went, I was going to go to the grocery store, but, you know, I passed by Winners, and I realized I needed a dress for that thing. So I went into Winners. I couldn't find a dress, but I found some shorts because I couldn't find some shorts, and I tried on some shorts, and these shorts were amazing. And then I realized I didn't have dog food, and so I went to the pet store to get for the dogs because, you know, the other day when I was walking the dog, you know, this story could take a really long time. <laughs> and this is what's happening with Jairus. You know, he's there, and his daughter is sick, and she starts to tell the whole story. And he's thinking, can we just cut this story short a little bit? My daughter is sick. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Now, if we read the rest of the story, Jesus goes to the house, and there's people wailing and making a big deal, and he kicks them all out, and the little girl gets healed. But this is the critical moment in the story, and this is the critical moment in our lives that we face all of the time, because we get news that we don't like a lot. And we might watch the news, and something might happen that we don't like. There might be something happening in our country, in our nation. There might be something happening in North America or the world. And it could just cause us to be afraid. 
And in the world that we're living in today, we could be gripped with fear all of the time. Political situations, economic situations, family situations. And all of these things want to produce fear in our lives. All of these things want to produce a negative view about our future. And that's what fear is. It's just like this dark, negative view about our future. But this is how we should read the Word of God. The same thing that Jesus said to Jairus in the middle of news that we don't like or might cause us to be afraid, what did he say? He said, just believe. Now, this is not some empty thing. It's not just some religious thing. But what Jesus is wanting us to do in these moments moments that we don't understand that he wants us to be relying on his power he's wanting us to be relying on his wisdom and his grace not just our own because our own is limited it's finite his is infinite this is not just some religious thing to think about this is actually how we should be living our lives you hear this and it causes you to be afraid don't google the answer it will get worse Never Google one of your children's diseases. I'm just telling you. Because everything, you can read somebody's post and it's like, get them to the hospital right now. It's like, you know. Fear can be proliferated in our lives. But Jesus says to us, don't be afraid. Just believe. And the last thing that we want to mention this morning is that God wants to train our actions. That he wants to train our actions to do good things. Now, this might seem like a simple statement, but in your comfort zone right now that you're living in and I'm living in, we do a measure of good things. We do some good things. We don't do all good things. We don't do all of the good things in our power. We don't act all good ways in the context of our relationships. We don't say all the right words all of the time. But God is wanting us to move beyond the measure of good things that we do and experience in our lives. And he's pushing us. Why? Because there's more good to do. Scripture tells us here in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Well, what should I be doing with my life? Well, I should be training myself to do more and more good things. Because what did the scripture tell us here? At the end of good things, there's a harvest. At the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest. And this goes back to our choices. What are the choices that I'm making? Here's where I want to get to in my marriage. Here's where I want to get to with my kids. Here is where I want my kids to get to. What are the good things that I'm doing to get them there, to get me there, to get my relationship there? What can happen to us? We can get weary because we haven't experienced the harvest yet. We haven't got to the proper time yet. So I've been doing this, and I've been doing this maybe for a year. Maybe I've been doing this for two years. That he says to us, don't be weary. Don't be weary in doing good. For in due season, at the proper time, 
you're going to reap a harvest. There is a harvest for good things. There is a harvest for good words in your home. There is, a, there is a harvest for good actions in your home. There is a harvest for good actions in your business. Keep doing those good things. Well, I, I need, here's the good things that I do. We'll just find out some more. What about us as a church? How many more good things can we do? How many more children can we disciple? How much more could we preach the gospel in the city? How many more people could we feed in our city? How many more events that we could do that we could just go out in our community and do good things? I don't care what somebody believes, but we're going to do good things for you because who's on the inside of us? How many good things can we do? The scripture says, don't be weary in doing good things. Man, there's a harvest for good things. God wants to move us out of our comfort zone to add more good things to our lives. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the word of God this morning? Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.